Welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you space burgers out there. I'm David Huntsberger. This is a podcast where I chat with people that I find interesting, try to learn a thing or two, whether that is facts and or, you know, science-y type stuff, or maybe it's um, artists and a little insight as to how they see the world. Anyway, this episode, I think you'll enjoy uh, because... I feel like from the beginning that I've started doing this show, or even all the way back to Professor Blastoff, the idea of finding out um, the sort of ethos behind um, certain organizations and or religious affiliations, how they operate, why, what draws people to them, etc. It's always been fascinating to me. Before we get into that, just a reminder, I'll be in Texas this weekend, Houston on Thursday the 25th. So that's in a few days. And Austin, Friday and Saturday. Houston, I'll be at the Secret Group. Austin, I'll be at the Velveeta Room. One of my old stomping grounds. Haven't been back there in a while. So I'm excited to do that. If you're around, come out. Especially if you drop by and say you're a space burger, I'll give you a, a sticker or something. Or at least say hi. I mean, we're part of a secret club here, guys. So hopefully, see you there. One-Headed Beast, the animated special we made in Austin. In, uh, we shot it in 2014, so it's it's getting kind of old already, uh, but it still holds up. None of the, the the jokes or anything are all that topical. So if you want to see that, it's on Amazon Prime. I know we all have mixed feelings about Amazon. It is the beast and what have you. And yet, I guess when you create stuff and there, there are really not a lot of ways for it to be seen, you got to take what you can get. So... Uh, thanks to those of you who've been watching and specifically reviewing the special. I think it really does help with like the, the algorithm and things like that. So hopefully if enough people see it and or if it does well enough, maybe we'll get to make another one, which would be exciting. Okay, let's get into this chat, you guys. This is a gentleman who's who's a writer, a great writer that I really enjoy. Comes to the junk show quite a bit. He's read there a couple times. And in the the course of that, over time, at some point he mentioned kind of casually like, oh, hey, I was, a, I was briefly in Scientology. And I don't know if you've seen Going Clear that comes up in this conversation. I recommend it. I believe it was on HBO. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Uh, pretty revelatory as far as the inner workings of Scientology and a bit of the history of it as well. But I thought it'd be interesting to talk with Conrad about uh, what it was like to be in it and he has some real funny, weird stories, and I uh, really appreciate him taking time and, and talking about this in, in a very kind of vulnerable way, and um, I really enjoyed it. So we'll have to have him back, because this is just the tip of the iceberg that we get into in this whole chat. So here's here's part one of it, Scientology with Conrad Romo. Enjoy. I'm launching us in. Did you, did you happen to uh, look at that email that I just sent you? Just now? Yeah. No. Uh, should I go grab my phone? 
Uh, yeah, because that's pretty good. It's it's a, it's a stupid song uh, that Hubbard had. Like one thing I wanted to bring is this album that Hubbard put out like in the early seventies called Power of Source. Okay, and it's him in a recording. So he's he's got headphones on like this, and he's got all these musicians all around him like he's listening to some master tapes and then so one of these songs is i think it's called we're moving in mm-hmm. um and it's just it's awful fucking music and and I remember <laughs> on, on, on the uh on the album it said it was like the music of the future mm-hmm. uh and you know and i i believed it you know <laughs> so this this one song you you don't want to hear the whole but he, but he, there's this one section where all the guys are are chanting we're moving and 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 move and they just you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like a 5 meg uh, file so is this one of those things that they put out there and then people like roundly criticize it and then they scrape it away so they, like if you have a copy they go oh, that wasn't real or are people like yeah no it's a way that's the music of the future it's good it's still good <sighs> I think Scientologists would 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 you know say, yeah, it was it was good. It was the music of the future, and but it just was you know he did they they did a recording of um, what's that song that uh, Joplin did that song Summertime. I mean that's an old song. It's you know mm-hmm. uh, or the, I think like when Johnny comes marching in or some other s- s- old song. It's like you know, and I had this other recording. Of Hubbard himself singing this song of like, um, and and you know he, I think he takes pride in having a deep voice and he sings like, "Thank you for listening." <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't I couldn't find uh, that one, but I did send you that uh, one five meg thing. Okay, did you? You must have just sent it because I I was at my computer right before you got here. I didn't I didn't see it. The last thing you sent me. I, the article it was pretty short like I was expect I wanted I wanted more detail about the uh, the brief period where Scientology was selling like illegal not illegal meats but definitely they were busted for falsely advertising the type of meats they were selling yeah, going well, door it, to door it, it was it wasn't it wasn't a Scientology like a mission or a church it was it was just a Scientologist who oh that one guy yeah, yeah, yeah he was I mean, good at but but his, his family, you? his family owned the company, and then he was, you know, so he was a Scientologist. His family, you know, I don't know that they had anything to do with Scientology, but he was a Scientologist, and he, I don't know if it, he started it, but or but there at the time there were several companies selling meat door to door, and um, you know, and we didn't know anything about this since then. But somebody contacted me and said that um, a guy he used to work for the L.A. Times, Sam Quinones, and and. Uh, and I knew that Sam, because I had read some articles that he had he had sold meat for one day. So mm-hmm. I wrote him and I said, Sam, I know who you worked for. And, and um, so when this company, this reporter for Daily Beast, I guess, contacted him. And he said, well, you know, you should talk to Conrad. So And I, and I wound up talking like I was hyped <laughs> on coffee, like too much. And then she just, you know, she didn't do any, any fact checking. And then she sent me this thing. And then... And I thought we we're going to have time to like talk about it and say, well, okay, this this one is not really accurate, and this what I what you know you misunderstood me, and and it just came out, yeah, you know. So there was there was a couple things that weren't true, and and I and in hindsight, I, I probably should have like made up a couple names rather than because like one guy who's like a longtime friend, uh, we haven't spoken since. I, I think he still would be my friend, but I think he's, he he still might be a little pissy. He said like just in the future, keep me out of your stories. <laughs> 
because it was embarrassing or because it was a little duplicitous where, well, first of all, I thought it was interesting that the reason to sell the meat was that one of the sort of tenets of Scientology was like, push yourself, do your best, be resourceful, be enterprising. So if you have a way to make money, really push it and do it. And so everyone gets involved. If a guy shows up and says, hey, I'm, I have this meat thing, then it's full tilt, everyone involved, or at least a lot of people. And then it later comes out that like the meat wasn't what they said it was so that that ends up being the whole story but like Mm. for someone like you that was involved in it it wasn't like you knew like oh we're packaging up whatever that meat was that wasn't usda certified like prime or anything like that but you were selling it as such yeah and i i only found out that article because afterwards i was trying to find out like you know if brian was ever even alive anymore because i you know when i left the company it's a long time ago and uh, and then I found that article and I sent it to her. So she thought, oh, here's my ankle. Yeah. You know, tainted meat. And like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it was it was a perishable item. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I I sometimes we, we would ha- we would buy like boxes of meat and then we'd get big blocks of dry ice to keep it refrigerated. And we didn't have like a refrigerated truck. We just had like a big cooler and we'd put a big block of dry ice in there to keep the meat cold. And he'd, he, hopefully he'd sell everything out that day. Yeah. But if he didn't, then you'd have to maybe get another block of dry ice and you'd sell it tomorrow. It's it's frozen. Yeah. You know, but you might have like a bad streak for a few <laughs> days and you're just not, nobody's buying or you're not selling and, you know, and then eventually it means like you got to throw it away or eat it yourself or sell it. Yeah. You know, and there's been, there were, there were, there were a number of times where... <laughs> You know, I sold some meat that was questionable. <laughs> it may have been bad. I don't know. Did that? But I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't afford to to, to lose a fifteen bucks or something myself. Yeah. I, so you'd rather risk poisoning a family or something. You know, a little. It brings a family together. <laughs> Very rarely, I suppose. I mean, I guess it's some of the higher levels of. Uh, you know whether it's just out and out fraud but things like that that are more just kind of like deception is it a a religious organization that's asking you to compromise your ethics in that way hey you know if you don't sell this you absorb all this overhead cost plus you got to drive it home plus you got to find something to do with it however if you sell it eh, you're doing all right and i like the psychology involved in it in the article where it wasn't like you would just show up at their door and try to sell them meat there were like tactics which were one i love which is like hey as if you just like i've been driving on the road and i just it occurred to me like a flash of lightning i had to pull over and tell you i got some steaks in this truck that are about this thick and then the person would go really <laughs> who is this person that answers the door and go, really and then you run out to the truck but then another tactic was when they were like not interested you would kind of act dumb like that was a move to just get them to be like excuse me and you yeah yeah well that was that that was another sales thing that I did. So, <laughs> oh, so you she, just created so, so, so she she kind of brought a couple of different stories together. Are, are, are we on right now? By the way, is this, oh yeah, is this, oh, you you get you you end up telling me too much juicy stuff when we're like preparing. <laughs> I just dove in. I, I thought you were going to go get that 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 email and then no, we, we would teased stop. to it. Well, I'll get it. I'll get it either shortly or by the end of this. We'll, we'll play we'll play the 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 song. Um, but more so, I, I, I think it's worthwhile to like get into what drew you to it and then how, how you ended up kind of leaving. I think that's the most compelling thing to most people. Cause like, obviously there's a lot of stuff, recent documentaries and things where people, you know, feel like they have an inside track or like some insider knowledge as to what it is. But I don't know that you get a lot of 
well, I was this age and I was kind of lost and this appealed to me because of this. And I don't know, all of that was really fascinating to me that we were talking about briefly last time we chatted. So I want to kind of go into that first and then I'll, I'll go grab the song and make sure that I have it. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure I have it. I but you've, you've got notes. You've got like a whole prepared thing over here. You well, I, 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 I sent my, I have a bunch of pieces that I wrote on Scientology. And so, because I was so scattered earlier looking for this stuff that uh and i so i, I oh christ so chances are the thing that i sent you didn't go through either oh that could be okay. yeah because like i said i was right up until you knocked i was looking God at stuff i didn't have an email it. well let me say i i recently saw um a friend of mine whenever she kind of answers that question like how could you how could you stay in for so long or you know wow you were like seven years no, fourteen. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's been out for a long time. Yeah, since like the mid '80s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Got in like in '72, um, and then there was a couple of years where I just kind of wandered and figured, try to figure out who I am and what happened and what am I going to do next. And mm-hmm. um, but she always says, uh, "Well, it's like the Truman Show." You know, and I had seen that movie, that Jim Carrey movie, and I always thought that was appropriate, but it, I haven't seen it for a while. So just recently I thought, maybe I'll watch Truman Show again. Uh, and, and there is, there definitely is a, a correlation in that in the Truman Show, he's he's very much in this world that seems to be perfect and everyone supports him in this perfect life that he seems to be living mm-hmm. you know and then something happens a light falls from the sky you know and it's kind of perplexing and it doesn't kind of make any sense but he just accepts it and then you know more and more things start happening and and then you know he starts to kind of question if he's imagining things or you know are people playing tricks on him and so there was a lot of stuff like that where there were things that that didn't make sense but i still kind of went along the biggest difference though with the truman show and me is like the whole world was watching truman nobody was watching me yeah you know when when, when i when i left nobody really noticed i'm not a a big time celeb (laughs) so you know no tabloids were, were out nobody was you kind of just stopped showing up. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, I would get phone calls, or I'd get something in the mail, or I might run into somebody, you know. And, but I knew enough at at this point of of how to um, how to talk to a Scientologist and and not appear to be uh, the enemy, not to appear to be out. You were saying, yeah, like if if you if traffic had been bad, you couldn't say like, man, I'm so sick of this traffic. You'd have to say, hey, those Dodgers are doing great, or always sort of positive and never really getting to the root of how you feel if it has any any layer of negativity and then did you get labeled uh what, like an sp a suppressive person i i, ne- I never knew because i never got any i never was handed this declaration mm-hmm. so I, and, and I, I also had to say like one, one of the one of the difficulties in talking about scientology is that there's it's got its own language you know it's it's hard to kind of talk about scientology without having to explain um, the language and 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 then go forth so that it's, it's a lot of going back and forth in a conversation so that that point you made about like the the, the traffic it's it's not speaking negatively about the traffic or trump or or, or, or life in general it's about scientology like you couldn't ever question scientology oh. you, you know um so if you showed up and were like man why are we wearing these vests 
not that he'd ever did, but something to that extent, a person would just look at you like very cultish. Like you don't question this. You don't yeah, question the, this behavior. And the prices just keep going up. Or are, did you get another call from, you know, one of the regs? So that's a registrar, somebody who sells Scientologists to, you know, again. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't speak honestly about it. Like, you know, I'm not into, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I got enough. I got all the books <laughs> I want. Yeah. Please don't call me about any more fucking books. You couldn't. You couldn't <laughs> say anything. You couldn't say like Hubbard's not right all the time. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't question it because because then uh, you know um, you would stand out as as being somebody who's maybe is connected with somebody who is um, you know antagonistic to Scientology and mm-hmm. one of the enemies and and uh, you don't want to be tagged as um, as a suppressive person. Yeah. So you mentioned I, I, a thing. Uh, about, I always used to think this about heaven, even when I was a little kid, like there would inevitably be some moment where you showed up where you'd be like, hey, did my friend Kenny get in? I'd be like, nah, I didn't. And then you'd look over and be like, why in the hell's Jeff here? And everyone would go, ah, it turns out he had this and this. And there would just be an inherent level of like frustration. Regardless, like you would always wonder who is passing this threshold and who's deciding? And you'd be frustrated and you... I'm curious, like in the beginning, what you know when it was good, when you were in the Truman Show, and you're like in the the bubble of that. When the first you, you mentioned last time we spoke about, like you know, someone gets marked like they went clear, and then you'd be like, I've read more books than that guy. That guy's an idiot. You know, they whether they just have more money or spent more money or like you know, you, you was that the first moment that the light fell, so to speak, referencing the Truman Show? Or is there what broke the bubble? Well, there was there was, there was a period where there was no. Where in order to go clear, you know, which is an enlightened state of sorts. And it's a state that if you read the book, the Dianetics book, uh-huh. which is a hard book to read because it's, you know, he's, he's, Hubbard got paid by, by the word, you right. know. So, you know, he repeats himself over and over again. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> but, um, but to read about the state of clear is, is a state that anybody would want, you know, to be at cause over mental and physical uh, ailments and and uh, you know various obstructions um, the song famous blue raincoat that uh, Leonard Cohen sings there's a line in there of uh, when Jane came around with a lock of your hair she said you gave it to her the night you planned to go clear did you ever go clear that's about Scientology that's mm-hmm. about clear Hubbard I mean uh, Leonard Cohen, you know, had a, a his stint in Scientology, mm-hmm. you know. So there was a lot of people that read about these things. Uh, you know, one of my favorites, uh, Van Morrison, you know. Uh, I can't remember what album it is, but uh, on, on the jacket, you know, he, he thanks Ron Hubbard. So there was a lot of people that I thought were making good music, who were, you know, acting well in movies, who were playing sports like gods, you know, playing music. And I saw these guys. Um, and I kind of thought, I want what they have, you know, I'll, I'll have what they're having because that they, they seem to be doing okay in life, mm-hmm. you know. But early on, you 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 had to work for these things. You may cost a fair amount of money, and then you would have to sit in the chair and get your one-on-one kind of counseling, and um, you know. And when you finally got to that point, it was it was an accomplishment. And then sometime in the in the eighties, maybe. 
clears weren't being produced as quickly as possible. This is like my assumption of what happened. And then somebody came up with the, the idea. Maybe it was Hubbard. Maybe it was one of his underlings who suggested it. And Hubbard you know, endorsed the idea. It could be possible that people could go clear in a past lifetime. Yeah. Oh. And, and uh, so that kind of opened the door for, you know, some somebody that would not, in my estimation, um, have achieved that godlike status of clear, <laughs> you know, to, to, to come out with this pronouncement of, you know, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Dave Huntsberger is clear. And, and everyone ha- would have to say, you know, like, hip, hip, hooray, hip, <laughs> hip, hooray. You know, we all clap and, you know, and I think he's not fucking clear. <laughs> if he's fucking clear, then I'm clear a thousand. God <laughs> damn it. I've been here long, you know. I'm but clear, you, man. You don't know me, though. I'm, I went clear. Stop. You're not clear. I know you. <laughs> And, and that, that's how it was, you know? So, like, I didn't want to be, like, a cheap clear. I wanted to earn it, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't want... Because I wanted that state that, that that was talked about, sold in the book that kind of got me in. And, uh, yeah, but there was a period where it seemed like every damn 10 minutes, you know, they were coming into a course room and, you know, there was... Uh, and they would make an announcement, uh, that's it, and then they would have to drop whatever they're doing. Uh, so-and-so, and it was de- declared clear, and everyone would applaud them. And then it was, like, over and over again. And it was just that was difficult, yeah, because I couldn't say anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, and 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 uh, but I I wondered could they, you know, and would I want that, and you know, and then I eventually had one of those things where I was having some great difficulty with some old drug stuff. <laughs> I did a lot of drugs for a while and then I got in Scientology and I quit drugs, mm-hmm. but it, it seemed to have been impeding me. So I, I did a lot of goddamn work on, on the drug stuff. And it was, a, and I did like the drug rundown, the end of, end of drug rundown, rundown, the end of endless drug rundown, rundown. It was these like, are like book titles? No, these are, these are like processes, you know? Okay. That, so you, when that, you say you'd be sitting in a class or whatever that no, would be. No, in, in, in a session like session. like 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 you oh, know like one a, on one yeah one okay. on one so they don't call it therapy they call it auditing and mm-hmm. are you holding the cans at this yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it was like hundreds and hundreds of hours of this stuff um and then i kind of hit some some snag and they have lists for everything these repair lists that uh, hubbard has ingeniously and i don't know if like a lot of stuff that is in scientology isn't written by hubbard but you know he would put his name on it and there, there's documentation people have done research to say yeah he did this and he didn't do that and someone else you know but hubbard's name was all over this stuff to, yeah if you're selling uh, all these books, you got to have an endless supply of like, oh, you need this new course. Oh, you're just yeah. learning that. Now you got to learn this. Yeah. And Hubbard's name would sell more than, you know, one of his assistants. Yeah. Uh, on his, so, but I had some problem and they had some list. It was apparently you would go down this list. You would say these things like an, um, like as an example, they'd have like a list of, of, uh, of types of dogs and Airedale, Cocker, uh, <laughs> you know, Chihuahua. And they would say this list and then you would just be holding onto the cans and, um, uh, unconsciously you would have some response you know uh, consciously or unconsciously you would have some response and and i as an auditor would be watching this meter and i'd be watching this needle movement and in particular needle movement would tell me you know what was alive you know mm-hmm. what had the charge on it you know and that's i'd like to indicate uh, your favorite dog is chihuahua and <laughs> You know, and then your needle would then do this different movement, generally called a floating, uh, a floating needle, and and uh, 
And the auditors were trained very specifically, you know, hundreds of hours to, to be able to pick up the slightest movement. And then if I had read this list correctly and, and the needle reaction correctly and given you the, the, the correct, you know, disclosure that your favorite dog is a chihuahua, you would have then VGIs are very good indicators and you would smile and, you know, <laughs> and your needle would be, and I would say like to indicate your needle is floating. You go, thank you very much. And. You know. Oh, that's creepy. And that was no no indication of the Truman Show there. You're just in it like, yeah, I am smiling. Yeah. I, they, it, it, I missed one thing. They You would give indicators that showed Chihuahua was your dog, or they would just kind of put that out no, there. No, you, like, you, 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 you would hold these cans, and you're not, you know... It's it's just like this. I can't see what your computer screen is doing with this shield like oh, that. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. So so, I, so on the other side, you could be like over here. You can't see what my hands are doing right now. So yeah. the meter is right here. I'm watching the needle, with, uh-huh. and, and I'm also watching you. So you think there really was like a noticeable like Chihuahua and yeah, did something? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm 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 an auditor, trained auditor. I okay. I, I could work a meter as well, and <laughs> okay. we would we would see these things and. Um, but in my case, they were reading down this list of all these things that were causing this problem for me. And one of the items was like, went past clear. And I heard it and I thought, no, don't fucking react. Do not fucking move, you bastard needle. And, and, he, and he paused and he went, I'd like to indicate you've gone past, you know, we've gone past clear. And that meant that I was going to be, you know, that's it, Conrad, it's now clear. And, and I thought, like, I am not fucking clear. I, I, I read the book. I, I do not have those abilities that were, you know, sold in that goddamn book. I don't want to be a phony goddamn clear. I want to I feel fucking clear. You want to be like on a mountaintop with flowing robes, kind of understanding yourself and the world around. Is that what clear is meant to be? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like in, in, in martial arts. You know, you don't want to get like a black belt. If you haven't earned a black belt and somebody says, you're a fucking black belt, yeah. well, come on there. You're going to get your ass kicked. Right. You know? And, and I didn't have the ass kickery in me as a clear because like I, you know... But I kind of had to go along. Like, the, if the meter says that Scientology works, because Hubbard, you know, is all about Scientology. So I, and if my needle floated, then, well, I, I guess so. I don't, okay. Uh, so this I'm is, a uh, black belt. <laughs> yeah, sense. just oh, don't fight me. So that was, that was like a huge thing. That was fucking awful, you know. And plus, this is the, the, the other thing that's like, I had to pay, and here again, this is that area where like, I, it's kind of hard to, 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 I don't want to have to explain too damn much, but uh, this thing basically cost me $1,500 for this one list. It was called the end of drug run, end of endless drug rundown or rundown. It was a list where a guy just ran down those those things, chihuahuas, German shepherd, different type, but it was like, you know, a specific list and one item on that list that uh, might be the thing that I had charge on, some energy, stuck energy on, mm-hmm. was gone past clear. Um, so that thing cost $1,500. When I didn't have $1,500, it was like all the money I had at the time. And, yeah. and, and But the selling point to me was like, um, well, how long? Is this for like one hour, 12 hours, as long as it takes? I know it was 100 hours. It's only going to cost fifteen hundred dollars if it's a you know if it's an hour, but it's not going to be an hour. It'll be fifteen hundred dollars. So my thing was done in like fifteen fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and here again, it's a good Scientology. I couldn't say okay. Now now hold on, <laughs> hold the fuck on. That. 
that's too goddamn much money. <laughs> you know, give me my fucking money back. I couldn't do that. You know, so I had to like, he just fucked me for $1,500, gave me something, you know, was some award. Was this kind of the light falling? Was this one of them? Or is this far the, into yeah, it? Yeah, this was like a fucking light hitting me on the head and then, you know, <laughs> kicking me in the balls while I'm on the ground. It was, yeah. You know, I mean, this was after probably five years, maybe four or five years, something like that. Damn, you know. so you went almost another decade beyond that. Whew. Yeah. That's, yeah. And there were more and more of those things happening. Could you get savvier with your money and just go, you know, I don't have it? Or would they go, dude, we need 2500 bucks, and this this is going to be the thing. Would that just repeatedly keep happening? You know, last time it took 15 minutes, guys, and... <laughs> You know, you couldn't say that. You just, how would you like wriggle out of it? If you really didn't have the money, I'm sure they were trying to press you for more steps, right? I have a piece right here that answers that, David. Oh, great. You want to read it? <laughs> yeah. Again, this is, a good, this is called how to, how to Speak with a Scientologist. How to Speak with a Scientologist. Don't. But if you do, if you have to, say if you find yourself doing one of those stress tests or personality tests or a free career analysis or whatever the hell they call them. Don't, under any circumstance, give them your real address, phone number, or email. You'll get stuff from them for years. They'll never take you off the mailing list. I'm warning you. There's a policy written by Hubbard about the gross income being in direct ratio to the output of promotional material, and keeping their stats up is very important. So lie about your personal contact info. Trust me on this. Another thing, if you're approached by a Scientologist and want to avoid a conversation, here's a tip. Tell them that you were on lines at CC or ASHO. Make eye contact. Don't blink or apologize with as much tone 40 as you could muster. Say you can't talk right now and say you're working hard to pay for your next level. If they ask what your last level was, say grade three or zero or the way to happiness, just don't break your stride. Remember, you are working hard to earn money to pay for your next level and can't dawdle. Emphasize that. If they persist and you need to tell them anything else, tell them that you are moving up the bridge. You are moving up the bridge. And this is Dev T. Develop the necessary traffic. And for God's sakes, keep your TRs in and give them a firm act. Thank you. <laughs> so there's a, a, a lot in there, but but that 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 thing about yeah, you know, if you don't have the money, then they can't get money. I, I mean, they are really relentless. They will find ways to get you to use a credit card or yeah. bar, you know. But you're you're understanding these steps ten, nine years before you kind of venture out. So that at year fourteen, when you're like, I just kind of walked out the door and no one checked. They must have called you, and you just went. Oh, I'm at level three. I'm working and saving up. And that when is that when you developed those tactics that you just read? Well, I was also a salesman for a real long time, so I knew you know identify a prospect, and if not a prospect, meaning you got cash in hand and a need yeah. or desire for your product, and then move on to the next guy. You know, so but years I, I, five I, through fourteen, you know, you you are a mark to them, and yet you're willingly a mark, and funds are not readily accessible. So you you weren't. A, implying or applying your tactics here but you were kind of learning them by going i don't have a credit card i can't pay for this next thing yeah I, and i don't know if they were like a little bit easier back then i think that may be part of the case you mm. know um but um you know I, I i could get by for a long while to say like yeah working on my next level and mm. working to earn money to get up on the next level you know and and people would back off you know, like if I ran into, I still have some old Scientologist friends. They still are in like, you know, over, over 30 years, you know. And if I ran into them, we could have a conversation because, you know, I could talk about, um, 
you know, how's your kid? How old is she? Wow, yeah, wow, that's a nice watch you got there. Um, you know, still watching the Dodgers. How about the Lakers? You know, so we could talk. They call it Good Roads Fair. Whether you can talk about other things, you know, oh. to, that would be kind of safe, you know. But if I said. Hey, uh, have you seen that Leah Remini thing on uh, A&E? <laughs> that's, that's pretty fucking crazy, man. Are you... Where are you on that? If, if I, if they would turn on their heels and walk away in, in an instant. So, you know, we could, we could talk about different things. I mean, this one guy, there's a place on Hollywood Boulevard. I think it's, it's called Bridge Publication or something like that. And it's like... Uh, and they have this real fancy like a sound recording stu- uh, uh, a booth so they they try and do like old-timey radio shows um and scientologists seemingly eat the stuff up because they because it's all material that harvard has written mm-hmm. you know and, and they think it's great uh, but it was such he invited me to one of those shows he and some other scientologist actor guy were doing this and it was it was so fucking cheesy it was just so bad you know uh and then they had all this food out there as well so afterwards everyone eats this bad chinese food and but i you know as long as I wasn't critical about Hubbard, you know, or the material, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I was I was welcome back if I wanted to. But uh, I mean, it was it was it was laughable. It was it was so bad. But I couldn't really be honest and say, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> you were okay working with shit material, uh-huh. but fucking Hubbard, man, you know, I couldn't say any of that stuff because I. You know, I, I, I still would like to, to maintain some kind of friendship, even though it's like some real shallow, you know, kind of mm. a friendship. Did you, I mean, you had to have thought of that as you were like, I think of it as you walking outdoors. You didn't walk outdoors. You just maybe stopped going. Like at whenever you're 15, 14, when you're like, I'm done. No, I was, I, I was in from 14 to, you know, not 14. I was in from like 22 to, 22 to 36 or 19 to 30. Three, something like that, nineteen thirty-three. I think it was it. Yeah. So when you are, say, let's just say thirty-three or four, for like when you're having your kind of Truman Show, like he decides to row the boat and he's leaving. Are you thinking of the relationships, knowing like, did you know now when we watch the Lee Romani thing, everyone's like, damn, you know, they have to say goodbye to their children, they have to ostracize anyone that leaves the church. They are no longer a part of their life. Yeah. Did you have to kind of make those decisions? Yeah, it was. It was. It was hard. I mean, at the time, I had I had a girlfriend. We had had like an off and on relationship for about four years, and and um, and I had some uh, partners in a in a business. It was an, another Scientology related business. It was a chimney cleaning business. <laughs> it was LA, a it was a real a good chimneys. business. Yeah, and it was it was so uh, such an undersold business that it was beautiful because you know people had never had their chimneys cleaned before. So we came along, and they they just were like throwing money at us. It was it was great. So I had. You know, with these guys, I opened up offices in uh, L.A., uh, San Pedro, Orange County, Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, Denver, uh, New York, Santa Barbara. I opened up Santa, Santa Barbara and San Diego on my own. Those were my two offices. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was great. It's a cash business. It was it was being in partnership with them. So that was part of the thing of like, am I going to be able to do this on my own? You know, uh, that was. Um, I didn't know. I kind of doubted my my abilities. Um, and the girl, 
she pretty much, you know, we had a, a, an open conversation about it and it was either stick with Scientology and being with her or kind of move on and, and no more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I walked away from the relationship and, um, and I made that extra effort to open up the office on my own because I knew that if word got out that, you know, I was on the outs then these guys would uh, would would cut me off completely so i still was dependent on some income from from the business and i walked away from some pretty good money you mm-hmm. know very very foolishly why then like what was it cuz you have you have a relationship you have money you have some things that are bugging you about you know yeah but there were but, but, but there, there were there were too many things that just were there was also that period like in the in the early 80s, I don't remember the exact year, but when Hubbard died, uh, then there was this, you know, you can you could just stay on course and you can get your auditing and you can kind of toe the line and, and not pay attention. Uh, but some tapes were circulating by some guys that were some big time uh, people with some authority in Scientology were disgruntled. Uh, because there was this big power shift, you know. Now the documentary "Going Clear" talks all about Miscavige and you know mm-hmm. how ambitious. And but there was a bunch of other people that were getting their heads lopped off, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. So there By were people. Him? Uh, no, well, Hubbard's Hubbard's gone. Uh, but now there's this pro- power struggle. The guy who was supposed to be, you know, his successor uh, was then declared an SP, and that was like, how the hell could that happen? Because. All along, we're looking up. He's the highest trained auditor in the planet. He was a guy who would audit Hubbard, and nobody could tell all this time, like that, that he had you know cloven hooves and horns. <laughs> what the hell, you know? But he was declared, so that was mind blowing, and you know. But somebody had put together some tape about um, you know all is not right in in the world, and let me tell you my experience, and and you had to be real kind of uh, quiet about this thing, and this guy you know kind of he called me up and he, and he said hey, you know I, I, we we got to meet and you know and he kind of passed this tape almost like like in a in a bad movie like under the table mm-hmm. you know like make sure no one's like looking yeah. and I went home and you know and I listened to this guy tell his story and it was like mind blowing like I just. I, I had no idea and, and if shit like this could be happening to you know more important people people who were you know benefiting the church a hell of a lot more than me then like who's gonna give a shit about me I couldn't I couldn't like not know what I knew at that point and then one of the guys one of the biggest guys David Mayo his name was he was a guy who was like Hubbard's right hand man and, and the um, you know assumed successor mm-hmm. uh, and he was declared like you know one of the worst SPs ever and I knew a guy who was in Mayo's camp uh, and he was up in Santa Barbara and you know I just went up there just to hear him give a talk and, and you know I'm a nobody and but I went and you know asked him a few questions and he didn't kind of hold back or didn't seem hostile or whatever and it, that really impressed me that like I you you know, I don't know. He seemed okay to me. I don't. I don't know what his fucking crimes are, but like I, you know. So it was stuff like that, uh, and then and uh, you know, and then I just I I had to. And there was a there was a bunch of other little things. I had a, an incident where uh, that girl that I was on and off again, one of our off again times. Uh, <laughs> I remember being very sad and I was very dramatic, and I think I was in an auditing session and I said something like, I don't know what the point of living is, or something, something like that, and that got their attention. Uh, and then I was called into the ethics officer. <laughs> 
<laughs> every Scientology organization has an ethics officer, and and uh, they brought me in, and they said, you know, did you say this? And I said, yeah, I did, and you know, and they said, okay, and we talked a little bit, but rather about concern for me, uh, how you doing, or just a guy to guy, or you know, they put some paper across for me to sign it basically said you know in the event of of, of my death like Scientology would not be held accountable and <laughs> and I realized real quickly that like they weren't going to let me out of the room unless I signed this thing and that they didn't really give a shit about me they were just you know covering their ass you know because I was a potential I was a liability at that point if I wanted to kill myself yeah. and, and I just I, I thought and you know it was it was stuff like that you know where the lights were falling I just thought you guys don't give a damn about me really you know it seemed like as an 18 19 year old whenever you kind of first get the twinkle in your eye then to go do it you're a kid at that point you're search and coming off of drugs like you're searching for some help community and few language things you've said throughout like not caring about you it seems like that was the biggest desire you had yeah great if you help yourself great if you overcome these things but more than anything to have a community of people that genuinely care and then when it really comes down to it for them to just slide a piece of paper over like hey man if you off yourself we do not (laughs) want anything to do with it that's that's a real gut punch that sucks yeah well, that was that was a big that was a big thing. Like, there's you know that 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 dynamic of the group, you know the the, the, the kind of the family dynamic, um, and and uh, Scientology was was about that, um, and and uh, yeah, I mean that's what I wanted with you know the sales groups that I were involved with, um, and and um, you know so when I I left, that's where I just kind of like drifted because I I was very. Um, cult sensitive I wasn't getting high anymore but I was always drinking Scientology was okay when, on drinking uh-huh. but uh, uh, so you're good there uh, <laughs> but uh, not not drugs so I just you know I, I hung out in bars all the more at that point and, and uh, became you know good friends with bartenders and <laughs> but just any bars like so when you're going around <clears throat> I feel like when you know when you're in that certain area of Hollywood where the big building is where tourists come by they go whoa yeah. Scientology in big letters and you've got the Sea Org people sweeping the street and then you don't have to be in bars around there. I mean any bar anywhere not like people tell you what their religion is or whatnot but I I think now because of that documentary everyone gets the sense like oh a Scientologist you'll know but you're just in there drinking with people how many people in there knew like oh yeah Conrad he he's in that uh, that group no I, I I couldn't talk about it I mean, I, I really early on when I when I left, I really if somebody and this this went on for like a bunch of years, maybe 10, 15 years afterwards, where like I remember going on some date and um, and somehow Scientology came up and this woman, you know, said, oh, I think that's fascinating. You know, tell me. And then in the next thing I knew, like 45 minutes had gone by. I just I couldn't s- stop talking. And, and I was I was shaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I had so much like energy, just pent up energy and 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 and. Uh, uh, stuff that I hadn't really looked out or said out loud, and and I and that's how it was for a long time. So I, I just didn't look at it and didn't, didn't talk about it because I didn't know how to even process what the hell happened there um, and who would understand. And and so you know, it, it took it took a while. I, you know, I wound up eventually. I knew a friend who uh, was an ex Scientologist, and she. Um, I knew that she had gotten some therapy and Scientology was very, very much against, you know, psychology or psychiatrists and, you know, but she had gone that route and I liked her a lot. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she recommended somebody that understood uh, cults. And uh, so I did that one-on-one stuff with her for a while. 
that helped, you know, because I was I was doing well financially, so I could afford to see somebody a couple, three times at, uh, a week, and so that helped uh, yeah. a, a lot. And uh, and um, and then I connected with there's there's a, there's actually a big network of like uh, ex Scientologists, and uh, I don't know how this happened, but the the woman who I first spoke to um, is is still a friend. Uh, this is like way back in 72, I think. There was a radio commercial. Uh, there was some guy named Edward Bear. I think he had a song called uh, The Last Song. He was this Canadian guy. And it's, it, it was it was like a pop tune. And it was, you know, it was on the charts and doing well, I guess. Uh, and they would play the song. And, how, and Edward Bear was a Scientologist. It was a promotional material. And there was this branch. It was like a marketing arm of Scientology called Axiom Productions. And uh, then they had this commercial, and they'd play a song, and then they'd say, you know, Edward Bear was a Scientologist. He owes much as a success to Scientology. Find out more by dialing, you know, and I I dialed the number. Yeah. And the person that picked up the phone is a, is a, a woman. She actually was featured in that uh, Going Clear documentary and in Lawrence Wright's book. Her name's uh, Spanky. Um, <laughs> Uh, Spanky Taylor, and um, so she was the one who picked up the phone, and 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 we talked, and I liked Spanky's voice, and she told me about some place where artists help each other create something like that. And I, I didn't consider myself an artist, but I liked how that sounded. Were you writing you know? then already? Um, a couple like bad poems, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, but I, I loved reading and, and movies and music and all that stuff. I just didn't know like how I could express myself in any of those forms. But um, just this, the idea, art, a place where art is helping each other create. And I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to find out about that place. So, you know, that was my first intro. And, you know, and then when I got out, I don't know, I don't know how it happened. Uh, she found me somehow. Uh, um, Spanky and a bunch of others, like a, uh, a bunch of uh, ex-Scientologists uh, get together. And uh, it's pretty great because, I mean, I, there were some big wigs, you know, uh, that, that I've met uh, through, through her. People that I've seen on the Leah's show or on that documentary or, mm -hmm. you know, who are in the paper. So I've, I've gotten to, to hear uh, other stories that, like, I, you know, was, was not at all uh, privy to. Thinking about her, like, being um, like a recruiter in a lot of ways, you know, playing on the radio, trying to, if you're interested, and maybe she was just told by the station manager or someone, but it sounds like if she were in the group, and had access to microphones like yeah why not like by the way that artist you just heard he's a scientologist working out great for him etc cetera, etc cetera. the guilt aspect you know if you mention it to a friend who then later got in when you guys are all out and chatting and boy wasn't that a crazy time is there a feeling that sometimes you go I, 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 I don't blame her at all I mean I just I was susceptible to anything I could I mean I had a cousin like a couple months older than me he, he became a Mooney you know I had other friends who Vietnam was was still not completely done yet, and so you know some of the friends went into service, and mm -hmm. you know some guys got married, and people just got like the there's different you know people got hooked in different things, yeah. And I you know drugs was my thing, and mm -hmm. I did a lot of drugs, and then I had I had a the stretch where I just I wasn't it just wasn't working anymore, so I knew that if I quit getting high for a few days, my tolerance would 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 drop and then i could get high again after about five days or so <laughs> so uh and it was in that in that that period where i was trying to get it to kick in again then um i heard that commercial you know and mm -hmm. and you know and i and i 
I wanted, I, you know, I wanted something. I wanted some sort of a change. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had had a couple friends already. I think, yeah, two friends already, like in high school, that had killed themselves. You know, uh, I'd got high with, I sold drugs to, and they killed themselves. So I looked at those guys as, as being, you know, much better men than I was. And I just thought, you know, I, I wanted something more for myself. And, and I saw how, like, the world did not pause for a moment when those guys died. So I, I had some desire for something else. I didn't know what it was. And then my little glimpse into Scientology, and I thought, like, I thought I had found it, you know. Yeah. I, th- I thought I, it, it seemingly had all the answers. You know, I, I bought into Hubbard. And then when I found out that, you know, some of the people that I admired, you know, on screen and radio and, you know, in sports uh, were Scientologists, I thought, this, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm lucky and smart. I came right upon it. And it was, it was, it was cool, mm-hmm. you know. And there was, there was, you know, there was a bumper sticker that was like Scientology works. And that was a thing. It was like I was done with like faith and, yeah. and prayer and hope. I wanted something that worked. And Scientology seemingly had had a, a technology that worked. You know, there was there was a formula that you could you could follow for uh, just about anything. It, it it seemed. And there and there were times where I could see it, seemingly see it demonstrated in my life. And that that's one of the things. Like if you. There's a lot of people who are out of Scientology who still very much hold on to this belief of the tech, you know, the technology that Hubbard created, yeah. you know, and they might have problems with Miscavige or the current regime, but the tech, you know, they still, you know, and that's that's kind of weird to me, you know, because <laughs> you had to say goodbye to all of it. Like this whole thing is a charade, but they're like, you know, if I practice these methods, I'm better in life. I work out more. I'm more efficient in my job. Or that's the tech, like those steps they would imply or apply. Yeah, I mean Hubbard has technology for just about anything. You know, um, it's, you know it's, it's it's a way of living. So it's kind of hard to. I, I, I asked some some Scientologists uh, one time at a party, like, are there some aspects of Scientology that they still find themselves? responding to you know in an old scientological mind and i couldn't get anyone to kind of go along with me that yeah once in a while Mm -hmm. like there was this one thing that i used to do or maybe we should i want to find that song and get to that you're taking a little pause and we'll get into dive into this okay let's take a quick break find that damn song yeah pretty weird stuff huh so come back next week we'll continue it and uh, like i said it's just more and more interesting little tidbits and um maybe scientology is getting not overexposed these days but a lot more people are aware of it and yet it still feels like it's hard to come by to find out exactly what it's like on the inside maybe you watch that leah remini show or if you don't Hopefully this was a good insight as to what kind of a bizarre organization it is. And I'm sure it's changed dramatically in the years since Conrad left. But anyway, come back next week. Continue that chat. Thanks to those of you who support the show on Patreon. If you want to help the show in any way, Patreon is a great way to do it. Little bonus chats and things in there. Usually something per month, a little extra. It really does make the show go. It's made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. There are no ads. And that's... um, Thanks in part to to Patreon. Thanks, not in part, in total. So thanks to those of you who do support the show. It makes a big difference, and I appreciate it. 
And thanks to Dan, who compiles the show, puts it together from the goodness of his heart in his new home in Australia. We'll have to check in with him again and find out how the new place is going. Dan, I hope you're doing well. Thanks to Rob Crow for doing the theme song for this show. If you have suggestions for beer, topics, guests, anything else, you can email pings at thespacecave.com. Check out the um, playlist on Spotify. Thanks to Tom, who's put it together there. You can listen to some of the music from the show and some of his own contributions uh, of a similar aesthetic, as he describes it, on Spotify. Okay, I think that's it. Come see me in Texas this weekend if you get a chance. Thursday in Houston at The Secret Group and Friday and Saturday at the Velveeta Room in Austin, Texas. This song is from a band from Austin I think is great. I hope you like it too. It's the Black Pumas. This is called Black Moon Rising. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. Under the rain, sun's open. Fire, fire, fire. Ain't nothing new, ain't nothing new. We all have desires. I want you to be my woman, babe. Every time you get dressed in black, you give a grown man a heart attack. I pray that good Lord will bring you back. You're my sunshine. Yeah.